be seated. Thanks, Blake. Great to have you back, man. You were missed greatly. You and Robin and your whole family. Because He Lives, what a great song that is. And because He Lives, what we're doing is not the biggest waste of time in the history of the world. Because if He doesn't live, it is the biggest waste of time in the history of the world. But because He Lives... It is the best use of our time in the history of the world to position ourselves in a place of praising our creator and our king and our savior, Jesus Christ, and just saying, God, would you just speak to us? And that's what we do. We take a position where we open our ears and open our eyes and to open our hearts that God might speak to us anew. And that's my prayer for us today, including myself, that God would manifest himself, that he would tabernacle among us in a fresh way through his word, through his word. So I turned 41 years old last Monday. It comes around every year. I know, happy birthday, all that. I know it comes, it's going to come around next year too, promise. But uh, it was my time, about every, I don't remember, five, six years, you have to go renew your driver's license. So I went uh, because I have a CDL. Uh, I was a bus driver many years ago. I've carried on my CDL from South Dakota to Texas when we moved back from South Dakota seven years ago. And I carried it on. I decided I'd keep it. You know, you never know you're going to need a CDL, right? And so because I have a CDL, I could not renew it online. So for those of you guys who don't, you can do it online. Anytime, you can just do it online. I send it to you. That's what my wife did. She was great. So I went two weeks ago uh, to the DMV in Conroe, and I did not know that you needed to make an appointment for those type things these days. Because like everything else, I don't know if they don't have enough workers or what, but there was a line out the door, and the walk-up line was not moving. And they basically said, hey, you can stay there and wait in the 100-degree sun, uh, but we're not going to get to you, so I went home. And then I waited, and I waited, and I waited. My birthday went by, and on Wednesday, I was finally able to get an appointment, so I went at 9 o'clock on Wednesday morning, and I had my driver's license with me, and I... Looked at the person, finally got to the line, looked at the person who had my appointment, and she said, do you have your ID? I'm like, sure enough, I do. And so I got my driver's license out, and she said, no, any other form of ID, like a passport or those things. I was like, no, I don't. And so I got back in my Suburban, and I went back home. <laughs> you should read such things. It's my fault, right? I should have known. And I got back, and I finally got to the line, filled out all my paperwork, and all of us hunky-dory, and I got to the lady where she's putting in all my information, and she's like, are you sure you don't want to keep your CDL? I decided I'm not going to keep my CDL anymore, because next time, five years from now, I don't want to go back there and wait in that 100-degree hot sun. I mean, I had enough of that. There's no more. And so just take off my CDL, and she looked at me, and she said this. It's a true story. It's not a preacher story. It's a true story, all right? She looked at me, and she said, what if the next five years... You need to drive a party bus across state lines. I'm not making this up. I guess I look like a guy who would drive a party bus across state lines. I don't know. I don't know why she said that. And I looked at her and just kind of smiled on my face. I was like, I don't think that's going to happen in the next five years. So she took it off and the rest is history. I no longer have a CDL. If I ever need to drive a party bus, I'm going to have to go back and take my test and go through the whole thing. But I came back with That's a true story. I came back with my passport, and I flashed my passport, and she read it. She knew who I was. And that's what an ID does. An ID tells you who 
you really are. Okay? That's my title for today. It is ID or identification. Heard of a story about a four-year-old girl named Amanda. And she went to the doctor. Grandparents took her to the doctor. And the doctor looked in her ears and she says, what is that I see? Who's in there? Donald Duck? And she said, no. He looked in her nose and said, who's in there? Is that Mickey Mouse? And she said, no, Mickey Mouse is not in there. And he got the stethoscope and he put it on her heart. And he said, hey, is, is that Barney I hear? And she says, no, very smart young lady. She said, no, Jesus is in my heart. Barney is on my underwear. <laughs> Bet you never heard that word a long time, underwear, in a sermon. There you go. See, that little girl got it. She understands. She understood her identification that Jesus is in her heart. And that changes everything. And that really is the spirit behind which we have kind of a pause. We're in our journey through 1 John. You can turn it with me. We're going to be picking up in verse 28 of chapter 2 and reading just five verses through verse 3 of chapter 3. And what John is doing... John, the beloved disciple, the Apostle John, he's writing to them. And remember, the theme of this book is that he wanted them to experience complete joy. And he takes a pause from his discourse on talking about those who are antichrist, those who oppose Christ, talking about sin and dealing with sin and talking about that God is light and in him there's no darkness and we should walk in that light. And so this is the conversation we've been having for the past month. He takes a pause, and he flashes who we are. Okay, he just takes a pause. I think it's important that from time to time, we pause, and we realize who we are. What is our ID? Probably be a better way to do it would be take your Bible, if you've got your Bible, and just hold it up. Well, just pause. You go, come on, everybody hold it up. If you're at home, go ahead and hold it up. It's not weird. It's great. This is where we find our identification. If you're going to experience the joy that John is talking about, that he had greatly experienced in his own life, this is what he was doing. We just got done talking about that last week, that his heart is for every follower of Christ to realize that in you is the Holy Spirit. He is the deposit of your salvation, also the seal of your salvation. And through him, you can do this yourself. You can read God's word, and you can understand it through the help of the Holy Spirit, and then you can apply it through your life. And what he, we just got done studying last week, the, the idea is that John is saying through the help of the Holy Spirit that you can do this. And I want to say to you today that you can do this. Matter of fact, I want to go through these verses just like I would at home and let's just read these simple verses. I'm just following the text to realize that there's so much meat, so much treasure, so much truth in this place where we find such life, our identification in Christ. There's so much treasure in this and that we can do this ourselves. We can do this ourselves. It's not my job when I come on Sundays to wow you. I'm the least wowy pastor around probably. Wow we maybe. But... It's not my job to stand before you and wow you or impress you. I don't want to do that, actually. That's the worst thing that I can do as I stand before you. Best thing I can do is to point you to this and the Savior that is within it and let him speak resoundingly 
into your hearts. And may it be so this morning. Yeah. So as we've studied through 1 John, here, if I were just to give it to you in different terms, and I've said it in one way this way, but, but we said this, that sin is the great joy stealer. If the theme is that, that John wants to experience this incredible abundant joy in Christ, Sin is the great joy stealer, but Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, God's only Son that came and dwelled among us and who saved us through what he did on the cross, and we are victorious because he is victorious over death on that third day, risen from the dead. He, Jesus, sin is the great joy stealer, but Jesus, because of who he is and what he's done, he is the great joy giver. And today... Let us read our ID in him. That is the light in which we read and the spirit behind which John is writing. Verse 28 of chapter 2 in 1 John. And now, dear children, continue in him. Now, I want to pause there. I love that John affirms again who he's writing to. Just those few words. And now, dear children, he's writing to children his spiritual children in Christ, but continue in him. And so that word continue is awesome because that tells us, again, reminds us that who's he's writing to? He's writing those who already are walking with Jesus, who already know him. So my children continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. And believe me, that verse 28 will come back in verse 3 of chapter 3. Many times in Scripture we see um, it's kind of like parentheses. That's the beginning of the parentheses there of our identification. Like we, we, we're going to pursue holiness so that when Jesus comes, because he's coming back again, when he comes, we will not be ashamed before him at his second coming. And verse 3, we get something that speaks very similar. So that's the closing of the parentheses of the message today. And look what it says. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. We're going to dig deeper into that idea in the coming weeks. See verse verse 1 of chapter 3 and here's that ID. Just three simple verses here. Here we go. See what great love the Father has lavished on us. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know this, that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Four things. I'm just following the verses. I'm going to start in verse 1 there, that ID passage of verse 1. I want us to get four things. It's very clear here. Very clear. The first is this. What we have, what all of us have access to, is the lavish love of God. And I love that word, lavish. So on my birthday, I've got an incredible family. You guys are all Facebook posting, you know, happy birthday. Many of you guys texting me. But my wife and my kids are just phenomenal. So I woke up. Monday, Monday morning, my favorite thing in life, outside of Jesus and my wife and family, and maybe you're in there, but next, next, next to that, cinnamon rolls. 
So I woke up that morning, and I could smell the cinnamon rolls. And they were so good. That morning, I had cinnamon rolls. I went out with some friends for lunch, and I had my second favorite food, which is banana pudding. And it wasn't my granny's banana pudding, but it was very good banana pudding. And so it's a great day, right? I woke up. I had my favorite things, cinnamon rolls. I had my my second favorite thing, that is banana pudding. It only would have been better if my granny made it and it was still warm. Because warm banana pudding, I don't care what you say, warm banana pudding is always better than cold banana pudding. Thank you. And it is always better with moraine on top instead of Cool Whip. I don't care what you say. If you don't believe that, you're wrong. I'm just saying. (laughs) Somebody just left the room. I just made somebody bear you mad. And then for dinner, had a great meal that evening. And then I had my favorite cake, which is confetti cake. I have it every year for my birthday. Just a simple store-bought Betty Crocker confetti cake with store-bought icing. I don't know why that's so good. I grew up with that. I still love it for my birthday. And so, man, what a lavish day that I had. Think about that. I got to have dessert three times and no one looked down upon me. It was great. As a matter of fact, even on top of that, in the afternoon, I came home early, and I got some coffee, and guess what I did? I got another cinnamon roll. Why? It's my birthday. Hey, don't judge me. Don't judge me. It's my birthday. Yeah, that's a lavish life. What that means, it means two things. It speaks toward the quantity of God's love. You see, I was in excess that day. If I did that every day, I'd just blow up. I mean, maybe I am blowing up a little bit. I'm putting on a little weight. But if I did that every day, man, I'd get the diabetes, right? And I'd blow up. It wouldn't be, wouldn't be good. But that day was a lavish day for me. It's my birthday. I get that, right? People have birthday weeks and birthday months. Like, don't go that far, but I can do it for a day, right? See, it speaks his love is abundant. That, that's what John is saying. The lavish love of God is poured out over us in abundance. But it has another aspect of the definition, and that is the quality of that love. You see, the word lavish, or maybe your version uh, is, is given or bestowed, it's lavish love, is given to us, is, is, it's a gift from a foreign place. So about six years ago, I went to Nicaragua to help start a Christian school in a coffee, at a coffee farm in Nicaragua. And when, before I came home, I got these. And so these are like Nicaraguan bobbleheads, I guess, is what you'd call these. This is a, I guess that's a dragon, and it's got a bobblehead. I brought these home to my kids. And when I brought them home, I'll never forget. They were, you know, six years younger. They were younger at the time. Nowadays, if I brought this to Josiah, I think he would just think I was crazy. But I gave one, each, one of each of these to my kids. There's three of them. This is a turtle. I know it's kind of hard to see. It's small, but it's got a little cute bobblehead. And this is a little centipede, caterpillar. It's more than a caterpillar, a caterpillar. But it's got a bobblehead, too. In reality, I think this cost 50 cents a piece. It wasn't that expensive for me. But what made it special is it wasn't normal. You can't go to Walmart and get that. Maybe you can. Let me look. Is it made in China? It's not. It's not made in China. It was made in Nicaragua. These are handmade. I met the guy that made them. And what makes them special is that you can't get this. This is not normal. Actually, you can't get these. You can't get a Nicaraguan bobblehead caterpillar anywhere else but in Nicaragua. And you can't get that guy from anyone else except him. 
You see, it's special because it came to them because it came from a foreign place. You see, God's love is lavish in that it is abundant. It speaks toward the quantity, but it speaks greatly toward the quality of it in that we can't get this love. This love that, that it's talking about, what makes it lavish is that we don't have that to give. It comes from a foreign place. It comes from above down to us. And here's the truth that John is saying is that we have it. You already have that kind of love. If you didn't know that today, may I just tell you that God loves you lavishly. And it, it's the love that you can't comprehend. It's, it's, it is so huge and big. It's so lavish. It, if we could just grasp just a little bit of how good it is. That's what John is saying. See what great love the Father has bestowed and poured out upon us, lavished on us, that we could be called children of God. That leads to the second thing, that we, what we are, what we have is the lavish love of God. You already have that, whether you realize it or not. It's already given to you, extended, not because of who you are, but because of who God is and what he does. So what we are in that is, because of the lavish love of God, through it, we are children of God. I don't know if we talk about this enough. The doctrine of salvation is essential. But the doctrine, this biblical truth, that's what a doctrine is. The doctrine of adoption is a miracle upon miracles. And that's what he's saying there. This love is lavished on us that we should be called, that we should be named a child of God. I would invite you today to regain the wonder and the astonishment of that truth that's within Scripture. We kind of just glide past it, like we're a child of God. Do you realize that you're not a true, genuine, real McCoy child of God apart from the lavish love of Christ? That you have experienced that for yourself? And for those of us who have, I think for me, I'm just speaking about me, I, over time, the more and more I live with that, the less fresh over time and the carnal self of me, the more hard that becomes over time. I think we, there's many of us in the room who have been walking with Jesus for a long time. Some of you in the room have not walked him at all. Like this is a foreign thing to you. You're like, man, I don't, I don't know about that kind of love. I don't know if I have that. Well, just hold on a little bit. Just hold on. But those of us who have, I began, experienced that kind of love in my life in 1988. So rewind. How many years ago? Somebody do the math. Okay, 33 years ago, I experienced that love for the first time. Has anybody been walking with Jesus for 50 years? Just raise your hand. 60 years? 70 years? 80 years? Man, how many we got 80 years? How many in the room? Just raise your hand. I can't see it. Anybody? 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 70-something years walking with Jesus. Wow. I think what John is saying there for us is, is that we need to be actively and regularly astonished that we are a child of God. Because it is a complete miracle, a gift of God, that we have salvation in Jesus Christ. 
but it's altogether different that God doesn't leave it there. He goes on. Not only are we saved and made right through Jesus, we are justified in him, but we are adopted into his very family. What a gift. What a gift. The last few weeks I've been following my, my worship pastor growing up. His name is Joel Salazar. He is, I kid you not, this is not an exaggeration, he is the most joyful person I've ever met in my life. He exudes, I'm smiling right now just thinking about his smile. He makes you smile. He's that kind of guy. Joel and Becky were so influential in my life. I was in his children's choir. I was in his youth choir. I went with him to Mexico and all kind of other places. And, and this guy, man, what a, what a gift. What a gift. I follow him on Facebook. And about two weeks ago, he posted a picture of a stray dog. And he was saying to his neighbors, if anybody knew whose this was, here's this dog. It looked like the picture, just kind of give you a picture. I don't have the picture up here, but this is a very disheveled dog. All right, It had long hair. The hair was all matted up, and it was limping, and it looked like it had not eaten in a long time. And so Joel just posted this, and I didn't think anything about it. Like, oh, that's great. That's what Joel does. He cares for everything. He just does. He loves everything. And so he posted it, and nobody responded. And then he posted it a few days later. He's like, hey, we, we, uh, we've given the stray a name, and the name is Dakota. They just made up a name. They gave it a name. didn't have a collar or anything. So they just gave it a name. It's like, we've reached out to the local authorities. We're trying to find a home for him. If not, we're trying to get him a place for somebody to, to, to take him in. And so... The next day, he said, well, he's still coming around, but he won't come to us. He's scared of us, but we put food out. He's getting a little closer. And the next day, he's getting a little closer. The next day, he's getting closer. And finally, Joel says, hey, that dog has nothing to do with me, but Becky, his wife, he has taken an affinity to, and she's made an impression on him, an imprint on him. She, he has imprinted on her, and all of a sudden, this stray dog is eating out of her hand. And at the same time, just pleading, whose dog is this? Whose dog is this? And then about three days later, he said, well, Dakota is now sleeping in our house <laughs> at night. The next day, there's, we took, we took uh, Dakota to the local vet, and we got him shots. And then there's this picture a few days ago of Becky, his bride, sitting with Dakota on the ground and cutting, calming him and cutting all of those those matted areas of his long hair. And there's a follow-up picture of her giving him a bath, just washing him down. There's another picture after that of her holding him, embracing him, and he's this altogether different dog because they have taken him in, and now I guess they've adopted this dog. What a loving people they are. Even more so, do you realize the wonder and astonishment that, that the scripture is very clear that all of us are like sheep and have gone astray? You see the picture? It's me too. Me too. And I'm not calling you guys dogs. But I would say to that Dakota, now Dakota is a lucky dog. The family that has adopted him, they're the best of the best. I mean, golly. I'd love to live in that house these days. I mean, that just gets me excited. Like, I, I love to have that kind of joy that he has. But listen, here's the truth that, that John has given us. I would say that you are lucky dogs in the best, most incredible definition that we could give that word. We are lucky dogs. 
Because the moment that we were transformed from death to life in Jesus Christ, not only were we given life and life abundantly, at that same moment, you know what else we did? We were adopted into the family of God. If that doesn't stir something within you, man, I question whether you've been stirred at all by the love of Jesus Christ in the first place, my friends. It should well something within us. If it doesn't stir something, if that doesn't, can we just have a conversation? This is not the end of a conversation. It's the beginning of one. Can I just tell you more about the love of Christ? Because when you see it, when you experience it, when you taste of it, it will lead you to a wonder. It will lead you to an astonishment that you are a lucky dog justified, but also adopted into the family of God. The Father has lavished His love on us that we should be called children of God. And I love that next phrase. That is what we are. So we learned what we have, and that's the love of God. It's lavish. What we, uh, we learned what we have, the lavish love of God. We learned what we are, that we are children of God. But then in verse 2, it goes on to teach us what we will be. We will one day be like Jesus. I mean, completely like Jesus. He goes on. He says, The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. In other words, there's a mystery. I don't know exactly what that's like when, we, when Jesus comes back or we, we breathe our last breath in Christ and step into eternity with him. I don't know exactly what that looks like. That's what John says. We don't have a real perfect picture of that, but we do know this. We shall be like him, Jesus Christ. We shall be like him, and we shall see him for we will be like him, because when we see the glorified Jesus, it's going to transform us completely. That glory, that beauty that he has, the power that he has will change us immediately. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves. It leads to response. But what we will be, we will be like Jesus. And listen, my friends, this is the best news. All these things that we struggle with in life, they're passing away. Because Jesus, man, he... He does not deal with what we deal with on the other side. All the things that we are hurt by, all the sorrow, all the pain, all the blemishes, Jesus is without blemish. The curse of death that just kind of looms over us, it will be no longer. And we will, all of the weight that you can just insert it in, that weight that you're experiencing, that burden that you experience in your life, will be completely gone. We will be like him, and we will be pure, spotless before the Almighty Father. And that leads to the fourth thing, what we should do. All this leads to a response. If we really see who we are in Christ, it should always lead to a response, because all who have this hope in him, what do they do? It goes back to verse 28 and 29. They purify themselves. They, they work on those things that, that they know are not in the nature of God. And, and they work to put those things behind them. They, they, they work on those things. They struggle with those temptations to eliminate those, those sins that they have in their life. Why? Because when we know our destiny, we'll work hard to prepare ourselves 
for that day. It's kind of like I'm a Star Wars fan. I don't know if you guys are. I'm a child of the 80s, right? I grew up watching Star Wars. It's that, that Darth Vader, when he looks at Luke, he's like, it is your destiny, right? Well, listen, John is saying, this is your destiny. As a child of God, this is coming. It is coming. And so the natural response to knowing your destiny is to purify our lives, that we would not be ashamed when our Savior returns. And when we know our end is to be more like Jesus, is to be exactly like Him, it makes us to want, be, want to be more like Him right now. It makes us want to be ready. It makes us want to serve. It makes us want to please Him now because He is our righteous King and He is our Daddy. He's our Heavenly Father. And what kid, what good kid, <laughs> wouldn't want to please their Father? They're good, good. Father. But I love, there's a phrase there, all who have this hope. What's the next phrase? In him. And there's a singularity there. Let us not miss today that this church is hope, but it's not in a place, nor is it in a human, nor is it in a thing It is this kind of hope. It is in Jesus alone. It's in Jesus alone. And I would ask you today, what are you hoping in today? What are you hoping this day would complete you? What are you hoping this day would satisfy you? What are you hoping this day would bring you joy and bring you all that you need? Listen, we're so good at plugging lots of things in there. I would ask you today and encourage you as John, through the help of the Holy Spirit, is encouraging us. Even in that mandating us, if you're a child of God, to hope in Jesus alone. It is in him. It is in him. He is. (laughs) He is our passport to joy. He is our passport to joy. The bands are going to come and I don't feel like there's a other way to close other than that. That you would understand who Jesus is for you today. That you would understand who you are in him. And that potential of joy that he alone offers. So John is saying to us as we close. And I believe it this morning that if we find who we are in Christ, if you find that for yourself, if you know who you are and find out who you are in him and you walk in it, you faithfully, obediently walk in it, unending joy and complete joy will fill us. It will follow us and it will go before us, my friends. That's my prayer for you today. All of us come with places and areas of our life that we need filling. We need to be satisfied. All of us have our burdens and struggles. In Christ alone, in Christ alone, there is hope. There is life. And there is joy. Today, if you don't know Jesus and his love, would you come to him? Would you come to him?
I'll be up here. I'm always up here. You can just find me. Find me afterwards. Or if you'd like to talk this week, if you would just take that connection card, that little tear-off thing at the bottom. It's not just a silly thing that we do every Sunday. It's a very important tool that we use to for you to make decisions, but also for us to follow up and have a conversation with you. If you'd like to talk about something we talked about today, this week, just put that somewhere on that connection card and put it in the offering box on the way out. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you that we have life, we have joy, complete and abundant in you. God, what a gracious God you are. What a loving, wondrous, lavishly loving Father you are to us. And we are in awe of your mercy. We're in awe of your forgiveness, that passage, that promise in 1 John chapter 1, that if we confess our sins, that you are faithful every time, automatic and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. God, we are not pure. We will never be pure. We will never be right apart from your love and apart from Jesus Christ. And so, God, would you give us that burden to desire to step towards you and to walk in purity today. God, for those who are far from you, for those who are astray, God, would you, would you just put the food of life out in front of them, that they would taste and see that you are good, even right now, God, that they would take steps towards you, and that they would imprint on you, they would trust you more, that definition of imprint, of habitually reach habitually trusting. God, would you find them trusting that your word is true, that it is inerrant, that it is useful, that it is powerful, and it is transforming because it is yours, and it teaches us about who you are and how you treat us and how you love us. God, I pray that we would go. Those of us who are in you, we would go away in wonder. We would go away in awe, and they would, we would go away passionate, passionately pursuing purity. In Jesus' name we pray.